We've been doing this series, How to Pray, and uh, if you're joining us for week one, you can catch up. If you're joining us for the first time, you can catch up online. But for the people who have been journeying with us, the feedback's been really good. People have been loving it. People are praying more and good things happen. No, No bad things happen, maybe a little bit more enemy resistance. But other than that, no bad things happen when we pray more. In fact, we see more happening and we become more aware of God in our lives when we pray more. And so it's great to hear people praying more, people talking about this in groups, at youth group, all these different things which is fantastic. But we've been going through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Hopefully you can throw that up there. The disciples came to Jesus. Uh, If you don't know the story, the disciples came to Jesus. They were like, man, he connects. I want the relationship with God like he has with his heavenly Father. Jesus, teach us to pray because prayer is how we foster our relationship with the Lord. All relationships hinge on communication and prayer is our way of communicating with the Lord. And Jesus said, well, Pray like this then, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Profound prayer, profound enough to fuel a lifetime of prayer. I pray through the Lord's Prayer multiple times every day. I use it as my guide and I have for uh, almost two decades now and people have been praying a lot longer than that in this room and it is profound enough to serve us for a lifetime of prayer. But I love that it's simple enough that my kids can remember it. Now my kids can just use this as a way to pray. And uh, we've been going through it over the weeks. We've been talking about how God wants us to be honest, to be real, you know, keep it honest, keep it real, keep it up. Like sometimes we can have this idea of prayer, I need to get all holy, you know, get the praying hands together, get really focused, maybe even get on my knees in my bed and just like, and yeah, there's times for that type of prayer, but God would rather you just pray. You don't have to, oh, how do I say it again? Just talk like you and talk to him. God would rather you pray than pray perfectly. So just keep it honest, keep it up. We talked about how we need to pause and rejoice in prayer. Sometimes we get so quickly to get to like the, the help me list, the, my, my shopping list with the Lord, you know. Lord, I got some goodies for you today. Most of them are the same as yesterday, but let me roll them out again anyway. And we, but like we actually need to pause just, there's something about, like we can pray on the go, but there's something transformational about the sort of pausing prayer. The discipline, and we pause, and we can just begin to rejoice in the Lord, worship the Lord, our heavenly Father. Oh, you're so close. Hallowed be your name. Oh, you're so great. There's something about that that just begins to put our heart in the right place before we start asking. But I love that God wants us to ask. We're not selfish because we come to God and ask. Jesus said, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus invites us to ask him. And so ask and keep on asking, as the scriptures say. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. There's a huge part of this that is about asking, and that's a big big part of the middle there. We wanna take a pause from this today and go, But what about the times where God doesn't answer? Not just like, but what about year after year and prayer after prayer 
whether it's a no, like can we get that sense or that word from the Lord that it's a no, the thing we're asking for? Or what about those times where the thing we were praying for didn't happen and it's not just a yet to be answered prayer now, it's a it can never be answered prayer. What about those times? What about the unanswered prayers? All of us in this room, if you live long enough with the Lord, will have unanswered prayers. We'll have not just prayers yet to be answered, we know what to do about those, we keep on praying, but I'm talking about the unanswered prayers. The, the, it can be trivial, like, you know, Katie and I prayed for a really nice day on our wedding day at the end of November in 2005. Uh, but it turned out to be the worst weather day November has ever seen. And, you know, we have these unanswered prayers. It's not a yet-to-be-answered prayer. It's done. Like, it, it, and at the time, it was a big deal. And it's not so much of a big deal now, I, I don't think. No, yeah, we're good. Um, it, it, it's, I'm not talking about, like, there's the trivial, of course, but then there's the heart-wrenching, the gut-wrenching, the soul-wrenching unanswered prayers. The untimely death of a loved one who we prayed and we believed and we prayed and we, God, you're good, you're going to do it. And then we find ourselves grieving as we bury them or cremate them and they're gone. And it's not a yet to be answered, it's an unanswered prayer. Or it might be the family member who we prayed for to give their life to the Lord, but they passed away as much as we could know not being with the Lord. Or it could be the marriage that we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, it wouldn't fall apart, but it did and we can't see any way that it could be reconciled. The business deal and we'd put everything on it, we'd bet the farm, you know, we'd, we'd gone in believing that God was gonna bless and there's some future in this and it all fell apart and years later we're still picking up the pieces. Unanswered prayer. And all of us, as I said, are going to wrestle in our lives with unanswered prayer. It's a reality of life. It's not often the thing we talk about. It's not necessarily the favorite subject. It's often the elephant in the room, the unspoken thing. We, maybe we don't want to talk about it because it doesn't sound like faith or it's not positive or it's like, I don't want to go there. But it is a reality that most of us in this room have probably already faced. And if you haven't and you continue to walk with the Lord, I'm not here to give bad news. I'm here to be honest and truthful. You will face unanswered prayers in your life. And it will be soul-wrenching, heartbreaking, tear-invoking, asking the big questions of God in this world, it will be part of what your faith has to go through. And my hope today as we explore unanswered prayer is, is a couple of things. I hope that, um, I hope for those of you that are journeying with unanswered prayer, it just goes, there's like a little bit of healing, there's a little bit of, I'm okay, I'll be okay because the Spirit will come and move and be with you and be near you, I hope. Even there's comfort and even us just talking about it, it's like, I'm not the only one. 
I hope that um, for some of you that you haven't had to journey with it, I hope that what I speak today will prepare you for the times that you do. And I hope that it actually gives some sense of a theology to hold on to in the midst of unanswered prayer. Because we need that, even if it's only that by the very tips of our fingernails we can hold on to the Lord through those things. We must hold on and find a way to walk faithfully through the heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, unanswered prayers in our lives. What I love is that when we look to our Lord and Saviour Jesus, we find him also experiencing unanswered prayer. Do you know that even Jesus had at least one unanswered prayer in his life? Not a yet to be answered, an unanswered prayer, literally where he prayed and his heavenly Father said, that would be nice. I don't know what he said. It doesn't tell us what he said. But you could, it's sort of like, that would be nice, but I'm sorry, no, not this time. And that's in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Luke chapter 22, tells us that the night before Jesus would have to be crucified, would give up his life, would be whipped and beaten and mocked and shamed and Death by torturous execution. It tells us that his heart was in turmoil in Luke chapter 22. It tells us that he retreated on the night before to the, to the Garden of Gethsemane, an, oil, uh, an olive grove of olive trees on the banks looking over at Jerusalem. And it, and it says when, when he was there in Luke 22, verse 39, it says, then accompanied by his disciples, and we know through other stories of the Gospels, just the close close disciples he took with him. He said, accompanied by them, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. He had a habit of praying, but this time his prayer would be unanswered. He said, there he told them to pray that you were not given to temptation. In other translations, it says that he actually asked them to pray for him. He got vulnerable with them. And he said, he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he said, Father, if you're willing take this cup of suffering away from me. Well, like a modern translation, Dad, I don't want to die tomorrow. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want the nails to go through my hands. I don't want to hang up there for hours, struggling with every breath. I don't want to do it. Can there be another way? Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared. He strengthened him. And he prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And at last he stood up again, I guess with fresh resolve, and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep hey, we all qualify to be disciples, eh? If you've ever fallen asleep praying, good company. I have a theory that if you fall asleep while praying, all of your sleep time counts as unconscious prayer. <laughs> you found them asleep. 
Amen. Yes, that's right. Exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? And he asked them, get up and pray that you will not give into temptation. Unanswered prayer. For whatever reason, I guess we, we get the privilege of understanding the reason in this case. But for whatever reason in our lives, we will have times that the Lord says no. Or if he doesn't say no, he just doesn't do it. We can find great comfort that we worship a saviour that even knows what that experience is like. We can gain some wisdom from his experience that I think will help us walk through unanswered prayer faithfully. The first thing we probably need to do, and this is not so much to explain it, because I think if we try to explain it, we'll miss the point all of the time. But there are some things to take into context when it comes to why maybe do some prayers go unanswered. One of the realities is, is that there's God's world and he's created it a certain way and he doesn't like uh, mess with it all of the time. He sort of, he didn't create it in like a set and forget sort of way, like spray and walk away. He, he is more like, but he has created it with certain self-governing rules and principles that are mostly life-giving and he doesn't mess with and tinker with it constantly. He does mess with it every now and then. We call that a miracle. But by very nature of there being a rule means that, you know, exceptions are rare. If I get a brick and I hold it above my toe and I say, God, when I drop this, please may it not hit my toes. Like, I'm, I'm talking about there's God's world. He's created gravity. It works a certain way. Maybe every now and then he might make the brick go like to the side, but most of the time it's going to hit the toes. Because as unfortunate as that is when the brick hits, it's keeping us all on the ground all of the time, which is allowing us to live life. Like weather, weather is God's creation in the different seasons and the different ways and of the perfect tilt of the axes and the atmosphere and all of these things. They're life-giving things. They allow for seasons and crops and farming and development and that's what feeds us as the weather changes, the seasons. It's mostly life-giving. But sometimes it sort of organizes itself into catastrophic storms that takes people's lives. And God doesn't always mess with every little bit. And so there's God's world to take into account when it comes to sometimes why there's unanswered prayers. There's God's war to take into account of sometimes why there's unanswered prayers. We can forget it because we live in a secular age, right? But there's a whole spiritual reality beyond our five senses, taking place beneath and beyond the surface of everything that's going on. There's a war. Does anyone like war movies? I love war movies. One of my favorite things is when Katie says, you can watch something on your own tonight. And I'm like, it's a war movie, okay? Uh, as much as we could share, uh, I like spending time with you, uh, but I love a good war movie. And that's not Katie's favorite type of movie, you know? You like war movies. That's some of my favourite parts, so, uh, is the unnecessarily violent bits. But um, when I watch war movies, as much as the story is normally zoomed in on like a small unit or on one person, you quickly, if you think about it, there's a lot more going on 
then you realize that war is very complex. There's the logistics, there's the different divisions, there's all the different moving parts, there's the different parts of the military all coming together, there's the communication channels. Even just think the logistical challenge of having to get everything on the ground somewhere for something to happen is like, there's a lot going on in war and there's a lot going on in the spiritual war behind the scenes. Uh, let me find my notes here for the, for the verses here. First Peter 5 verse 8, Stay alert, watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have you ever read this trippy verse in Daniel 10 verse 12? He says, And then he said, Don't be afraid, Daniel, that's the angel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I've come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangel buddies, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince. So he's still fighting. And now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Man, you gotta read this and be like, what? You prayed. I had the answer. We received the message in heaven. We tried to get it to you, but we were blocked for 21 days fighting the battle and I couldn't even come here to get this message to you if it wasn't for my buddy Michael who came over and helped me out and he's still fighting the battle. I'll get back to help him in a moment and uh, then he can go deliver his prayer message that he's got for somebody else. But here I am. What do I read in this and go, oh, there's more going on than I realise. And sometimes in unanswered prayer, we just there's a war going on. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, as Ephesians 6 says, but against the powers and principalities and the unseen realms. There's an enemy at play. There's warfare at play. God is the winner. God will be triumphant, but a battle is still waging right now. And I love what Jesus says in John 16, verse 33. I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me, even amongst war. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's God's world, God's war, and there's also God's will. God's will. My ways are higher than your ways, says the Lord. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It says in 1 Corinthians that even the best wisdom of earth is foolishness to the Lord. I know we like to see ourselves as the center of the story, but God is the center of the story and we don't always understand the ways in which he is at work. His will can be mysterious and we have to admit that our limited capacity to understand needs to be taken into account for sometimes why there's unanswered prayers. I love what the Scottish theologian P.T. Forth said. He said, we shall one day, oh, we shall come one day to heaven where we shall gratefully know that God's great refusals were sometimes the true answers to our truest prayers. The, the danger, and these things aren't explaining every situation. That's not my attempt at all. They are just things to take into account. The biggest 
There's dangers when we're going through journeys of unanswered prayers. And if you've experienced it, you'll know the dangers. If you're going to experience it, I need you to be aware of these. That there are some temptations in unanswered prayer. I think that's why Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, pray that you will not fall into temptation because there are temptations in unanswered prayer that can rob you of your faith journey and can rob you of the goodness of God in the future of your life. And these temptations are, are, here's just a few of them. There's the temptation to isolate from people when we're wrestling with unanswered prayer. We see Jesus do the very opposite in the midst of his, his unanswered prayer. He grabs a few of his buddies and goes, come with me, pray with me, pray for me and pray for yourselves in the midst of this because this is gonna be confusing for you too. Pray that you don't fall into temptation. But he, yes, he goes like a stone's throw away because some of the wrestle of unanswered prayer, somebody can't carry for you. It's, it's, you've got to do it, but, but you can't isolate. But when we're going through unanswered prayer, man, like it's like, we don't want to turn up on Sunday. The happy, happy, joy, joy, worship the Lord. It's like, hurts. It's hard. We don't want to go to small group and hear how God moved in somebody else's life. It's like, I want to be able to celebrate with you, but I'm hurting because God has not answered my prayer. I don't want to hear about the miracle that happened in your life. I don't know why God hasn't done the miracle in mine. And we, there's the temptation to draw away because it hurts and it's hard. But we must recognize it as a temptation, but not the right path. The enemy wants us isolated because from there he can pick us off. And we must fight that urge and draw near as hard as it is. We must draw near to each other. There's the temptation when we're going through unanswered prayer to stop following the Lord. You know, like not, we're not necessarily gonna be like, I don't believe in him anymore. We'll get to that. But, but more like, I'm just gonna stop doing what I've been doing. When you're wrestling with unanswered prayers, it's like, God, do you not realize that from a little age, I've been praying, I've been reading my Bible, I've been serving in church, I've been giving. Can you just do this one thing for me, Lord? Right, like we can get this out of Like you owe me, God. Like I've been doing all of the right stuff. When everyone else was running away and living life for themselves, I've been faithful. When everyone else is gossiping, I've been taking the high road. When everyone else has been doing whatever they want with their money, I've been, I've been offering finances to you. I've been giving, I've been supporting things. I've given up things. I've, I even served in kids' church. <laughs> like it can be the sort of like, this thing of like, I've been following you, but now you're not coming through from me. And the temptation is to stop being that active follower. Maybe sometimes because we feel like we're a fake because we're wrestling with things. Of, you know, people, I can't serve on the worship team with these unanswered prayers or whatever. It's like, no, you, you're more qualified now. Yeah. We would feel like we're, we're faking it or whatever it is, but I love it. Jesus says, hey, but not my will, but yours be done. Just like in unanswered prayer, yes, there's a temptation to stop being a disciple, but keep going. Keep going. The third main temptation, I think, would be to like close off our heart to the Lord. It's, it's like we're so afraid of being disappointed that it's like, yeah, well, now I just don't believe God does miracles. 
Now I don't believe God's like really that good or like God can really be trusted with my heart. We might even create, it's like, we, yes, the temptation is to abandon faith completely, but most people don't start there. They just start drifting into a faith that they feel like is safe for them. A faith maybe wrapped around in their mind that's more intellectual than heart, that's more, you know, um, thinking than it is believing, than it is faith with the Lord. Do you know what I mean? We just sort of become numb. We shut ourselves off because we don't want to be disappointed again, so we won't put ourselves out there with the Lord again. But, but Jesus, he keeps following, and I just think even the fact that he's still praying, that he's still going to his heavenly Father with his unanswered prayer is a great model for us of just keep coming to God. Keep walking in faith. Yeah, hey, you're gonna be disappointed in your life, but the pathway is not to then never put yourself out there so you can never be disappointed. That doesn't solve anything. You think it's keeping you safe, it's really just shutting you off. And like, what's, okay, so like God doesn't answer prayers. Let's just like go down that track. Okay, God doesn't answer prayers. Does that mean he's not good? Does that mean he doesn't love? Does that mean he doesn't care? Okay, well, let's like follow that through. Okay, well, I'll, I'll just distance myself from God's people then and, and go, I'll be the Lone Ranger. Oh, I'll just become cynical then and just not believe God does anything good. Yeah, cool, I'll go live that life. I'll just stop following them and go live life for myself. So the, the alternative, if I go do all of that, what, am I better for it? Am I, am I more, do I have more love, peace, joy? Do I have more of the good life and life to the full? Like we can follow these things through and go, okay, well, if I fall to these temptations, what do I have at the end? I don't have anything better, so I might as well fight them and trust that there's something better on the other side of holding on to the Lord. Here's my big, big point today is that we need to embrace mystery. We need to embrace mystery if we're gonna follow the Lord across the distance of our lives. Yep, it might feel like times we're just holding on by the, you know, the skin of our teeth or whatever. We're just holding on by the, our fingernails are all that can hold on to the Lord faithfully. Yeah, we might go through those seasons, but we have to learn to embrace mystery if we're gonna follow the Lord faithfully through the distance of our lives. Mystery equals maturity. Kids, they, they love things black and white. But why do I have to do this? If you can't give them like a black and white explanation, why did that happen? Why, 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 why? We all understand growing up is sometimes going, I don't know why, it just is. Right, it just is. I'm not gonna try to explain it, I'm not gonna, because I'll ruin the faith in the mystery. And that growing up is about being able to hold the mystery while still holding on to the character of the Lord in the midst of it. Not understanding why, not understanding all of those things. Even sometimes we just, well, I'll understand one day, maybe, all you'll just know how good God is, you'll know it didn't matter. I don't know. I don't know if the Lord promises to explain everything. He does promise to make everything right. Maybe it won't need explaining then. We have to embrace mystery. We have to grow up and embrace mystery. Everything can't be certain. and Otherwise, it's like, why does God not heal me? It's like, oh, maybe I didn't have enough faith. Maybe it's my fault. But God wants to heal everyone. 
Yeah, I, I think he does. But does he heal everyone? No, he doesn't. Do the people that God heals also still die one day of something? Yeah, they do. Does that mean I shouldn't believe for healing? No, I sh should absolutely believe for healing. But do, does, does that mean I have to hold the fact that God wants to heal people, he's good, he's loving, he cares, he knows, he responds to faith, and sometimes he doesn't? Yeah. How do you reconcile that? I don't. I just hold it all. I just hold it and go, that's a, that's a mystery, I don't know. If we're gonna grow up, we have to hold those mysteries. Otherwise we build like a house of cards sort of faith that you can just push over if you prove the right thing wrong and it all comes crumbling down. So how do we walk through this well? Well, we do it by recentering ourselves on Jesus. When everything fails, hold on to Jesus. Don't hold on to his church. His church is a gift from him. It's good, it's ugly, it's bad. It's all of that stuff all at the same time, right? Don't hold on to the Bible. The Bible is very precious. I read it every day of my life. I live by its words, but it's not Jesus. There's weird things that are very hard to understand in here. The church does weird things that are very hard to understand. But Jesus, you can hold on to Jesus. Doesn't mean we abandon the church. It doesn't mean that we abandon the Bible. I'm not saying that. Don't mishear me. I'm saying they're not the things we hold on to though. They are all designed to lead us to Jesus. And so we hold on to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11. If you've been around church for a little while, you'll, you'll probably be familiar with the chapter. It's called the faith chapter. It's like, oh, these people, they did all of this stuff by faith. It's amazing. Abraham, by faith. Whoa, like Moses, by faith, he did this. You know, it's like goes on, like it's like the A celebrity list of the Bible of everybody who did amazing stuff through faith. It's like all of the answers to prayers. And it picks it up in verse 32 and it goes, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. By faith, they ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fly. Women received their loved ones back from death again. It's like, whoa, this is awesome. Like by faith, like so many answers to prayer. Isn't this so cool? But I love that it doesn't stop there. As awesome as all that stuff is, I love that it goes, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips and others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats and destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Can we just pause and make all of this real? In this room, there's lots of amazing faith stories. By faith, that person got healed. By faith, that marriage got restored. By faith, that daughter was cured. By faith, 
they led their friend to Jesus. By faith, they were able to, you know, you can keep filling in the blanks, we could go on. By faith, they had the baby they always longed to. Like by faith. But man, others, others never got the healing they wanted. Others never found the husband they wanted. Others had everything that they had worked for fall apart and evaporate through their hands. These are the real stories of by faith. It says all of these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. The people who got the answers and the people who didn't get the answers but held on to Jesus anyway. That is faith, a living, trusting relationship with Jesus, not with answers to prayers. But I love this, even those who got all the answers to prayers, because this is real, yet none of them received all God had promised because God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection before us. Look, even if God answered every prayer, He's not gonna fulfill every promise because He's saving some stuff till the end. He's saving something so He could bring us all in together into His heavenly kingdom. Will there be no more tears or sorrow? Will there be never ending joy where every wrong would be made right? And it goes on in chapter 12. So therefore, what do we do with these answered and unanswered prayers? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, witnesses that have gone before us, witnesses that are all around us right now, yet, uh, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We do this, we get through the unanswered prayers by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We get through it by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Our eyes on Jesus. He is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Sometimes we get this wrong. We think, I've got to muster up enough faith in Jesus. There's a scripture, Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in this body, in this flesh, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved Himself and gave Himself for me. I live by faith in the Son of God, sorry. We've learned that verse as I live this life, I live it by faith in the Son of God. I hold on to my faith in the Son of God. They're sort of not correct in the Greek, it really should be translated, I live this life by the faith of the Son of God. I don't keep going because I have enough faith. I keep going because Jesus had enough faith to keep going even in the midst of His unanswered prayers. He kept going and when I look to Him, He does something supernatural where He births. He initiates. You don't have to leave here and go, I just got to muster up some more faith for this season. No, no, no. Look to Jesus, He's got more than enough faith and He will transpose it into you. He will initiate it, He will birth it. It doesn't matter how much like praying and oh, stirring, that's not how it comes, you look at Jesus and He gifts it, it's a gift. 
from looking at Jesus. We keep our eyes on Him. He initiates, He perfects because of the joy awaiting Him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He's seated at the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility He endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your lives to struggle against sin. I'll finish with this as we come around the communion table. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We hold on to these three things which are found in Jesus. You hold on to love, you hold on to faith, and you hold on to hope. Doesn't matter what prayers are unanswered, you hold on to love, you hold on to faith, and you hold on to hope. You hold on to love, why do you hold on to love? Because Jesus has already come. It says that God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son that whoever might believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So I hold on to love. How do I know that God loves me? Not because He answers my prayers. I know that God loves me because He sent His Son to earth. It's an undeniable historical fact that Jesus came to this earth. And so I don't need God to answer my prayers to know He loves me. He's already proven it. He's already proven it. And so I know He loves me and I just keep lying. I know you love me. I don't know why you're not doing this. That's a mystery, but I know you love me. I know you love me. I hold on to faith. I trust that God's good, you know. What do I hold on to in faith? I hold on to the fact that Jesus died for me. What do I mean by faith in that context? How does that work? It's like, Jesus could in His unanswered prayer go, but not my will, but yours be done. And we know that the thing that looked the most horrible, the thing Jesus didn't want to have happen was the thing God used for the most amount of good. What was the cup to be taken from Jesus was the saving of the world. It was the triumphant cross. And so I look to that cross and I go, I need that faith. I need to hold on to that. that. Here's what I keep thinking to myself, God will use it for good. I don't understand why He's not doing what I want, but I know He'll use it for good, like He used the cross for good. He'll use it for good. He promises to use everything for the good of those who love Him. So I hold on to the cross. But then I look to the resurrection. What does the resurrection tell me? then in every unanswered prayer, God will have the last word. God will make all things right one day. Even when His Son is dead and buried, He will bring Him back to glorious life. And we have the same hope that not only will God resurrect us one day and take us into glorious life, but in that place, every wrong will be made right. Every unanswered prayer will be redeemed. Everything the devil came to take, to steal, to kill, to destroy, God will give us life and life to the full. Because we are not among those who live for this world. We live for something beyond. So we set our eyes on Jesus and we hold on to His love, His faith, His hope in the midst of the mystery. Let us pray.
Our Heavenly Father, we bring to You our broken hearts from Your unanswered prayers. Lord, we pray as we come around Your table today that Your healing Spirit might touch broken hearts and souls in this room, Lord. Lord, for those that are feeling like they can't hold on anymore, would you hold on to this? We set our eyes on your son, Jesus. We thank you that you sent him. We thank you that he died for us. We thank you that you raised him from the dead. And we thank you that you're coming back one day. As we break the bread, drink the cup, we proclaim your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We proclaim again our allegiance to you, that we will not shrink back, that we will not grow weary, that we will run the race that is set out before us by setting our eyes on Jesus once again.